Hello Vitality Explorers, Dr. Alan Mischer here with you again with another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. Our goal, our purpose with the podcast is to optimize your vitality and we try to do this by presenting to you scientific research on the best ways to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. Here's a quote for this week, quote, Laughter is wine for the soul. That's from Sean O'Casey. Laughter is wine for the soul. It doesn't say what type of wine, but I think that's a very cool quote. This week, we're going to talk about three different things that are two of which are, are connected with each other. And the first is, is your microbiome the fountain of youth? The second is laugh your way to lower stress. And the final one is smiling enhances happiness. Um, you can read more about all of this information on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Uh, and you can also subscribe to VitalityExplorers.com for a free text message newsletter. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please share this with your friends and family to help enhance their vitality. So let's jump into that first one. Is your microbiome the fountain of youth? Or why gut bugs and gut nerves matter to our longevity? So our microbiome is something pretty interesting. It's the total collection of bacteria, viruses, and fungi that live within us. Kind of strange to think about, but we have, you know, literally hundreds of millions of bugs in us in, for, in the form of bacteria, virus, and fungi. We also have nerves in our gut. And there's a network of over 100 million neurons in our gut. And some reports, some scientific reports, suggest that there are more bacterial cells in our bodies than human cells. So that led me to think, does this really mean we are simply vessels carrying around a bunch of bugs? I don't think that's the case, but this concept of the microbiome, remember that's bacteria, virus, fungi that live within us, is really important to our overall health. And the scientific research in this area continues to pile up, that it's connected specifically to not just our health, but our longevity. And newer data has found there are age-related changes in our microbiome that are connected to our metabolism, our immune system, and our nervous system. And what's, what's interesting is that these changes have been linked to lifestyle issues. And those are things that are under our control. Those are things like poor diet, overuse of medications, and reduced social contact. So one of the things we, we were looking for is saying, can we target our microbiome to extend our health span with novel therapeutics. And that's something that's fascinating and emerging. And we're going to explore this in today's podcast and in this post. It's on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. And the title of the paper is The Gut Microbiome as a Modulator of Healthy Aging. The Gut Microbiome as a Modulator of Healthy Aging. So many things change as we as we age. Uh, unfortunately, many of us, excuse, <clears throat> excuse me, might be able to attest to that. But some things that change that are connected to our microbiome include our ability to smell and taste, our teeth deteriorate, and we can also develop difficulty swallowing. And then there are social or societal issues that can alter the types of bugs that are resident within us, that live inside of us. Um, and those changes can be the amount of human contact, the amount of time we spend outside, um, and also repeated infections and in the use of antibiotics over our, the our course of our lifetime change our microbiome. And so there's kind of an interesting graphic on the Vitality Explorer Substack site 
the, the individual changes related to the gut microbiome. So alternate nutrient intake, meaning like if you can't smell or taste well or you can't chew well, um, or if you can't swallow, that changes. Then there's something where the number of enzymes in your stomach or in your lower intestine, or even how well your intestine works, all of that can, can affect how and what lives within us. And changes in how this microbiome and interacts with the rest of us can be predictive of our health um, in terms of healthy aging or unhealthy aging. So increased inflammation and accelerated frailty, accelerated frailty are connected with our microbiome. A second very cool graphic from the paper shows that um, you know these are connected. So for, if you are advancing further in age, and you say, okay, what are the best ways to have healthy aging? You have to address your microbiome. So what can we do to slow down or reverse this decline, especially as we, as we get into our later years? What's interesting is resetting our gut microbiome with personalized interventions is being explored. I didn't even know that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are talking about it, but I think learning some of the details of this so that you can be savvy about how you address this is going to be important. Uh, and this, is, this work is being done in the context of many studies showing there are differences in, in, the, in, the, in the microbiomes of healthy aging people compared to unhealthy aging people. So healthy aging is longevity, high physical activity, and low cognitive decline. And unhealthy aging can be um, being frail, having too much inflammation, having cognitive disorders, issues with your heart, your kidneys, obesity, medications, lots of different things. So it's clear they're connected. They're not always causative, but they're connected. So interventions to optimize our microbiome are something I didn't know a ton about. I've heard a lot about some of these, but I think it's important for us to become smart. So again, what you're getting with the Vitality Explorer News podcast is my homework. This is something I'm not an expert in, but I'm learning about. And those microbiome interventions can be prebiotics, symbiotics, and postbiotics. So we'll go a little slow. These are from the paper that you can read all the, the details and the references for on the Substack site, including the graphs. But prebiotics are, quote, nutritional supplements designed to increase the abundance of specific target groups of beneficial microorganisms. Symbiotics are individual or groups of beneficial organisms uh, that are administered in combination with prebiotics. And postbiotics are deliberately inactivated, that is heat killed, microbial cells that confer health benefits, unquote. So the paper highlighted one intervention that appears to have some promise in, in helping us maintain a healthy microbiome. And that is adding polyphenol rich foods such as blueberries uh, seem to show promise. And here's sort of one sub-study that was highlighted in the primary one. And this study looked at the daily consumption of freeze-dried blueberry powder for six weeks in two age groups, younger people, 21 to 39, and, and older people, 65 to 77. And what they found in both of those age groups, uh, sort of the young adults to the older adults, adding blueberry powder, powder increased the health of the microbiome as measured by the diversity of the biome. So that led me at some point a while ago to, to get some organic blueberry powder. I also really enjoy blueberries. They seem to be a very, very good food for you. Um, you know, it seems to be one way you can maintain your, your uh, microbiome. Unfortunately, and here's the area where there's uh, areas of 
potential need for further intervention is that the level of evidence for specific microbiome interventions is weak. Okay, so we need to have better and, and better studies that identify the optimal way to keep the bugs in our guts in sync so that we can live long and vital lives. Um, I, again, do not know a ton about this. For the people out there who are microbiome experts, please post your comments and your suggestions. But one of the reasons why I wanted to explore this is that I don't think we're ever going to be able to disconnect ourselves from the billions of bugs in our, in our bodies that are associated with our health and well-being. And there's a ton of people out there selling stuff that frankly does not have a lot of data behind it just yet. So buyer beware on that. Uh, if you know of any data that I should be tackling in terms of trying to understand it, please send me a, an email at am at dare to be vital. Post your comments on the Vitality Explorer Substack site and think about the bugs in your gut because they are related to your overall well-being. Um, let's move on to a belly laugh or laughing your way to lower stress or how laughter lowers cortisol levels. So a little, uh, little um, disclaimer here. I am a huge Seinfeld fan. For the younger people listening to this, Seinfeld was a comedy show put together uh, by uh, Jerry Seinfeld and was just a blockbuster hit for nine years on TV. So this post goes over why laughter can really be meaningful for us. So the question I have or had was can Seinfeld, can Seinfeld or another comedy show, that could be any, any person or any show, lower your stress levels? And the short answer is yes. I think intuitively we already know that. Uh, you know, if you go to a comedy show or if you watch something you enjoy or even watch a short reel on Instagram that's funny uh, with a corgi or a cat or something, um, you get a little boost from it. Maybe not, you know, you don't want to be scrolling forever, but there's, there's clearly some intrinsic value to laughing. But our, constant, our, our bodies are constantly being assaulted by stress-inducing events. And some of these events that we see need a way for us to address them. Um, and a little bit of background on the, the fight or flight physiology. So if, if you see something that's troublesome or stress-inducing, it triggers the re release of cortisol from your adrenal glands. And your adrenal glands are little, little things that are, sit on top uh, of your kidneys. They're controlled by your pituitary and your brain. And they you know, something where, let's say a tiger jumps up in front of you or a mountain lion or any sort of stress, somebody cuts you off in traffic, um, it can trigger the release of cortisol. Now that's important for us to deal with danger and to be more alert. And it does help us in that respect, but long-term activation of this cortisol producing system results in accumulation of too much stress or too much cortisol and high cortisol levels uh, increase the risk of a variety of health problems, including things like anxiety, depression, headaches, and terrible things like heart attacks, um, stroke, and, and, and even you know things that we sometimes can't relate to exactly what's causing it, but sleep problems and weight gain. So keeping our cortisol levels under control is clearly an important part, a crucial part, in my opinion, to maintaining our vitality or enhancing our vitality. So as we try to do on Vitality Explorers, what are some, is there a specific way we can lower our cortisol levels uh, without medication? And it turns out that Seinfeld or laughter may be the answer. Uh, and this, this post is gonna explore some of the data in that context of this paper. 
Laughter as Medicine, a systematic review and meta-analysis of interventional studies evaluating the impact of spontaneous laughter on cortisol levels. So the paper included eight studies with a total of 315 participants. The average age was 38.6. And here's a quote from the paper. Five studies evaluated the impact of watching a humor slash comedy video. Two studies evaluated uh, laughter sessions administered by a trained laughter therapist. I want to become a trained laughter therapist. Uh, also known maybe as a comedian. And one study evaluated the self-administered laughter program. So what's interesting is laughter interventions such as these were found to reduce cortisol levels by 31.9%. That's pretty amazing. So 31.9%. The paper also found that more laughter resulted in greater reduction in cortisol levels. So the paper concluded, quote, current evidence demonstrates that spontaneous laughter is associated with greater reduction in cortisol levels as compared with usual activities, suggesting laughter is a potential adjunct medical therapy to improve well-being. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendation. The paper reviewed in the post is pretty clear scientific evidence of the value of laughter for our vitality. I think we should try to laugh as, as much as we can whenever we can. I'll admit to watching uh, the Junior Men episode of Seinfeld about 10 times just because I laugh every time I, I, I watch it. We also have uh, people in our lives that bring us joy um, through, through their humor. And these people should be celebrated and treated like gold. So if you find somebody you can laugh with in life, friend, spouse, family member, Treat them like gold. They're, they're, they're often underrated and underrecognized in their value in live, helping us live in the vitality zone. And now I, I've known forever. I love to laugh. I love to watch comedy shows. I know that laughing is valuable. I just need to realize that I should prioritize laughter. So please join me on this journey to laugh more and then watch all of our collective cortisol levels plummet. And please post in the comments anything you do or see or watch that you think is funny. Uh, I also posted a quick, um, uh, a quick video uh, of the Seinfeld episode where uh, Jerry and Kramer uh, do uh, something with a junior mint during a, a surgical operation that I still think is funny, even though I've watched it 10 times. So we're going to finish this week's Vitality Explorer podcast with Smiling Enhances happiness. And this is some Stanford-led research that shows that simply smiling improves your mood. All right. And this is pretty staggering, but a hundred years of data suggest that smiling can enhance happiness. And the concept is based on facial feedback hypothesis. And this hypothesis is kind of interesting. It suggests that an individual's emotions can be influenced by the contraction of the muscles in their face. Literally, your emotions could be influenced by the contractions of your facial muscles. In a recent paper by a Stanford researcher, which was, I should say, led by a Stanford researcher, confirmed that there are strong evidence supporting smiling as a way to initiate, quote, feelings of happiness. And here's, here's a, a headline from a Stanford press release about this, quote, global collaboration led by Stanford researchers shows that a posed smile can improve your mood. Okay, that's kind of a staggering but critical conclusion. Simply smiling can improve your sense of happiness, according to the landmark paper. And that's a posed smile. So even if you're not feeling like smiling, smiling itself 
may improve your overall well-being. And the paper reviewed data from 3,878 participants from 19 countries, and the researchers, quote, hypothesized that participants would report experiencing more happiness when posing happy versus neutral facial expression. And our main research question was whether participants would report feeling happier when posing happy versus neutral expressions. So there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff on the uh, Vitality Explorer Substack site, and I encourage you to check that out. Um, but there's a complicated graph of uh, people reporting their happiness when they were asked to mimic an actor's expression of happiness voluntarily contracting their muscles or uh, placing a pen in their mouth, which sort of mimics the, the idea of smiling because it turns up the corners of your, lip, your lips. And so, quote from the paper, quote, during the two facial expression pose tasks, one group of participants viewed an array of four positive um, photos, so dogs, flowers, kittens, and rainbows. And they, they found that this really was kind of fascinatingly important data because they found that partial or full recreations uh, of happy expressions modulated and initiated feelings of happiness. So again, that's pretty weird, right? Here's sort of the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations. This is ridiculously simple. Smiling is a zero cost way to enhance your happiness and vitality. I suggest we all try this right now, regardless of how you're feeling, fake a smile, put a pen in your mouth, just do anything to turn up the corners of your lips and see if you feel better. Feel better. Um, it's not gonna cost you anything and it's going to potentially improve your overall well-being. And I think it might be a way of combating feelings of unhappiness. Now, much more work needs to be done to confirm that this is of value and can truly reverse bad emotional sensations. But honestly, what's the downside of putting a smile on your face? So I'm gonna try to do this on purpose over the next week, regardless of how I'm feeling, and I'll report back on this non-scientific experiment in a future post. So consider smiling a little bit more and let, let me know in the comments whether or not that was of value for you. This week has been you know, one about your microbiome or the, gut, the, the, the bugs in your gut and how it can be connected to your overall health and well-being. We also talked about how laughter can lower your stress and simply smiling can help enhance your happiness. Our goal with, with, with the Vitality Explorer work with the podcast or the Substack site is to enhance your vitality. We're trying to encourage uh, non-pharmacologic um, ways to improve your overall well-being. And I think this laughter and smiling are two of the most valuable ones that we've talked about. And we're going to explore that a little bit more in the future because I think I've under recognized its value. And the microbiome is another one where we need to be more cognizant of its value and its interaction with our the nerves in our gut and our overall health and longevity. I hope you enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer podcast. Um, please share it with your friends and family to enhance their vitality. And until next week, get out there and dare to be vital.